Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 255. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's it. I mean, if you don't if you don't lead by example, you can be as smart as you want, but if you're not willing to go out there and run food, if you're not willing to go out there and take a drink order and pre-bus a table and bus a table and take out the trash and all of the things you ask your people to do, then you're not a leader. You're a manager. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then Join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by World Barista Champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, David Hayden. David, you better tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. Man, every day, every day. Yes, that is what we're going for. So David Hayden was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. He has held both hourly and salaried positions in independent and corporate restaurants. He has waited over... 100,000 guests, trained hundreds of servers, and has been named Kansas City's best server. He is the author of Tips Squared, Tips for Improving Your Tips. Additionally, David launched the Hospitality Formula Network, a series of sites designed to address a variety of topics related to the restaurant industry. And just during the pre-interview chat, uh, we were kind of just shooting the shit, going back and forth, and I discovered that you have a ton of knowledge on marketing, too, so maybe we can and, uh, pick your brain on that. And I, I discovered you uh, through Tipsy, which is a, a great tool uh, that I discovered by doing this podcast. And you had some incredible advice uh, on that platform. So I just said, we got to get this guy on the show. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get started, I like to you know, get the, that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? You know, years ago, one of the very first restaurants I uh, worked for had a theme that uh, I think personified uh, the service mentality that everyone should go into uh, their job with. And they always said, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Ooh, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Dive into that and how it really pertains to the industry. You know, we... Uh, We've gotten to a a mindset uh, too often where if things aren't, you know, kind of cater in in the in the outside world, outside of the service industry, where we where customers guests are expected to conform to what the business model is, they're expected to fill out the forms in order to get service. They're expected to stand in the lines and wait and 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 really bend over backwards just to receive service. When someone walks into a restaurant. We have to be different. We have to be that place where they can go and they can be made to feel special, where they can be treated with respect, with hospitality, You know, really the, the focus of the industry. And when we start out trying to find ways to say yes to our customers instead of defaulting to no, 
we really bring that service level and we really bring that hospitality to the table that this industry was built upon. Yeah. And um man, that's just such a great mentality to have and I'm just I'm trying to think what's the best advice you have for somebody who to, to kind of shift and pivot towards that mentality. You know, I I think that the first thing that everyone uh in this industry has to do is remember that we're there to make magic happen that we're there to make somebody who's having a bad day smile if you can make every single guest that walks into your door have a positive experience by at least maybe you're not going to make them smile maybe you're not going to get them to leave that five-star review online maybe you're not even going to make a huge impact on their life but if you can make their life just that much smoother for that hour maybe Mm. for that hour that they're there they don't have to worry about you know whether their drinks filled they don't have to worry about the frustrations of day-to-day life if you can take away frustrations from someone's life for an hour you've made an impact on their life. This isn't this isn't just a business about slinging food in front of people and collecting money. This is about making an impact. This is about treating people yes. in a way that they don't get in the rest of the universe. Yes. When you walk into a restaurant, you're special. <laughs> and when we treat people like that, we make our industry great. Dude, you're just getting me all jacked up right now. I love it. Uh, this is an incredible way to get the interview started, and I can't agree more with you. It's just that mentality of, like, you have to walk into that restaurant with that mentality that I'm here to make someone's day amazing. And um, just to kind of tag on to that, that quote that the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? And I think you really need to have the mentality that, like, just because you don't have the answer or you can't think of a reason right now, don't say it's not possible. Uh, just try to open your mind up and think, how can I make this happen? As soon as you think you, or you ask yourself how and really get creative, you'd be surprised on what you can make happen. There's always a way if you just take a second to maybe ask a manager to ask a different opinion, like just make it happen and ask how don't, don't shut yourself or sell yourself short. Don't, you know, don't quit too soon. Uh, that's your, those are your opportunities to shine. So, Awesome stuff, man. I'm pumped up right now. Uh, so let's learn more about you. Like uh, 1996, is that what I remember reading when you first broke into the industry? Like how did you get into this industry and uh, talk us through that? Uh, actually, 1995. It was okay. right at the tail end of the year. I was on a winter break from college and uh, walked into a local bar and grill. Uh, a guy came out. His name's Michael Norsworthy. He came out in a uh, Mr. Potato Head t-shirt, took off his apron from cooking online, and uh, interviewed me to be a busboy. And he looked at me in a shirt and tie. I handed him a resume college kid and he goes why are you wanting to be a busboy and i said well i've never been in a restaurant business before this is where i have to start right and he he kind of looked at me and said uh you know i i think i'll give you a chance and make you a server and uh he was kind of chuckling to himself because uh, he saw a little bit of potential in this guy that came in for an interview and treated like i was going to interview at a fortune 500 company while he was wearing a mr potato head t-shirt <laughs> uh i i i uh i have a great deal of respect for his judgment he now uh Runs a company, the a restaurant company. is the chief operating officer. They have over seventeen locations in four different states. Uh, but back then, we were both just early twenty somethings trying to make a buck. Who's this? And uh, you said his name. This was nineteen ninety five. Uh, his name is Michael Northworth. He runs a great chain of restaurants based out of Kansas City called Fifty Fourth Street Grill and Bar. Huh. I'm writing his name down. He might be a future guest. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. 
Uh, but so from there, uh, I, I just kind of progressed through the industry. Uh, my second job was uh, at, a, at a little more upscale restaurant uh, called Paradise Grill, run by a great company uh, called PB&J. And uh, once I worked for them, I really learned a lot more about wine, about good food, and really about what the service industry and the hospitality industry was all about. Uh, and that really, that really launched my career. Uh, I really got to get a feel for the passion of it, that this could be more than just a job, that it was about more than being quick, that it was about making people's visit special. And once I, once I had a taste for that and I was empowered to do that by a restaurant company, when I was empowered to go out of my way to make every guest experience a positive one, man, there was no stopping me. I knew this industry was for me. And uh, I just kept at it. Uh, now, spent a lot of time waiting tables, moved on up into management. But uh, Real quick, Dave, before we go any further, was there a moment when you just knew it was for you? Like, Bring us to a specific moment, if you can think of one, uh, an experience you had with a guest or maybe with a coworker that you just stopped and the, the world kind of just like stood still and you said, holy crap, I love this. This is my career. Can you think of a moment? You know, I've done a lot of interviews. I've never been asked this question. And uh, it's a story I tell from time to time, and I'm going to try to – I'm going to try to not get choked up telling it. Um, I was working at that second restaurant. It, above us, we had a kind of a dome, and it was uh, it, it changed colors, and it was real noticeable from the street, and it was kind of cool. And uh, this family came in, and uh, just from just from looking at them, it was a nicer restaurant than they were used to going to. And uh, the father, it turns out, had uh, helped install the dome, and. Uh, he was explaining to his kids how uh, it worked. And uh, you can sometimes read off of a guest that they're not comfortable in the restaurant, that they're not – that it's that it's just not quite the, the, the place that they're used to going to because that's how my family was. I mean I, I can relate to that. And uh, you know, just sitting there and, and listening to him explain it to his kids, I actually stopped what I was doing and kind of knelt down beside the table because I wanted to listen to uh, what he was talking about. And I wanted to learn about this because it was, it was interesting. It was cool. It was part of the restaurant yeah. that I had in every day. But seeing how his kids looked at him and, and, and how you know, they were in a fancy place, but the people in the fancy place uh, you know, wanted to know what their dad had to say, that their dad was a big shot at that moment, uh, man, that, that, that really impacted me. That that really made an impact on how, as a server, every table that comes in has their own story, has their own life. And if you look for a way to make people feel special and, and, and make them look special in front of their kids, mm -hmm. and after hearing this story, telling my manager about it, and my manager went over and bought them all dessert and said what a great system it was and how cool it was and how neat it was that their dad helped install it. And, and joined in in the effort to really make him feel special, make that family feel special, and make him look so cool in the eyes of his kids. I mean, that was a – you don't get those opportunities in corporate America. You don't get those opportunities when you sit in a cubicle. Man, that, that, was, that was a moment that I'll never forget. And, uh, th thank you for asking that question. No problem. That was an amazing answer. And just the biggest takeaway for me, uh, just listening to you talk, was 
uh, just make or find a way to make people feel special. And like you said, like where else do you get to dedicate your life to making other people happy? And if you have that mentality and to know that's your job and you can show up every day uh, and just kill it and crush it. And it's so rewarding, but you just have to have that. You have to, you have to like just turn it on. And some people just never do. Do you think it's something that you can train? Do you think it's something that's innate in, in other people? Like, what? Do you, how do you turn that on in people? I, I think the opportunities are there, and the opportunities are there so often, and so it uh, it kind of creates a system where once you once you know that the opportunities exist, you start to be able to spot them. Uh, it's kind of like when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you realize how many cars just like yours there are on the road. Mm, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, yeah. Once you once you once you have that relationship with it, you start to spot it all over the place. And so once you see those opportunities, um, you know it's a it's a really really cool thing. I work with a company uh, now that, that as a consultant, uh, and I work with them in a, on a number of different levels. And it's kind of like. You know, it, it's my it's my restaurant now. It's it's not. I don't own it. I'm not an employee, but it's but it's personal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started a thing with them uh, called Take Dave's Money, and uh, you know they just see me as their as their consultant guy who comes in and works on stuff. But I started this thing called Take Dave's Money, and uh, I put up fifty dollars a month to whoever brings me the best story about something that they did that month to make a guest happy. And it's not about my money. I don't, I just, I love hearing the stories, you know, I'll, I'll spend $50 to be in an environment, you know, when I'm there of people who are excited about taking care of guests and coming up with something special to do for them. And, uh, they know that it's legit. They know it's my money. And so it kind of becomes a game for them to figure out who can do the best. And it's not just the bartenders and it's not just the servers. It, it could be a door guy. It could be somebody in the kitchen. It could be anybody on that staff and $50, it, it, it's some money. I mean, it's that's it's a, a night out. That's the cheapest and, marking you'll ever spend, right there. Fifty dollars. You say a week or a month? I, I do. I do it monthly. Yeah, but and so and so for fifty bucks out of and, it, and it's coming out of my pocket. I'm sure they would let me expense it to the restaurant, but that's not the point. The point is go out and and take money out of my pocket. Yeah. Go out. Go out. Go out and take my money. Go earn it by making something special happen. Yeah. But the and re- then. Sorry, sharing those stories amongst the staff and watching those stories bounce back oh, and forth. Yeah. We have a private Facebook group where people can talk about it at. Man, it, it is it is invigorating for someone. You know, I'm a little bit older. Uh, it, it is great to see a new generation of people getting excited about service and getting excited about hospitality. And it's not about just taking the money, but – that's a little. That's a little bit of fun too, you know. Having people say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to get that money from you this month." That's cool. Yeah. Do it. But I mean, even just like opening the dialogue and getting it started. Uh, when you, if you hire, if you do a good job hiring, and you're hiring those competitive people who want to improve, who want to, uh, you know, just be a little bit better every day. Naturally, what you're going to start to see over time is people are going to try to outdo each other. When you have them sharing these stories of the amazing things you're doing, and man, that was a good one. Like now, I really got to bring it next week because I want to. I want to get that fifty bucks, but not necessarily get the money. But I want to outdo Billy. You know, but if you start the dialogue and you get the ball rolling and you hire and you surround yourself with the right people, I can see this thing taking off. I, I mean, like crazy. Have you seen it evolve since you've been doing it? Oh, yeah. People get more and more excited about every month. And I'm going to correct you on one thing you said there, because there's one thing there that you said that I will that I will fervently disagree with. Please. And that is that you, you said that you have to hire the right people. 
Okay. You, no, that, that's not it. Because you know what? I've worked in corporate restaurants where it was tough every day to get motivated. And I'm not a hard guy to get motivated. I'm not a tough guy to get excited. I love what I do. But man, there are I have had jobs where it was tough. And I didn't last long. Mm. I wasn't meant for that place. It's not about hiring the right people. It's about bringing people into an environment where that's encouraged, where it's cool to outdo each other, where it's where it's the popular kids are trying to take that $50. The popular kids are trying to outdo each other in service. Yeah. You have to create an environment where that's rewarded, but more importantly, where there's a group buy-in to that mentality. We've seen how, how negative people can drag down a restaurant. We've seen how negative people can drag down the environment and cause people to go to that lowest common denominator. Bring them to the greatest common denominator. Give them an incentive. Give them something cool. And it wouldn't be the same if it was coming from the restaurant because then they would look at it as just the restaurant's trying to get us to give good customer service and giving out a tiny little bonus. No, because it's coming from someone outside, because it's coming from someone who has no ownership stake, who's not making a profit, who doesn't see a bonus off of this, but it's just happening because I want to see that service level. I want to hear the stories. I want to be a part of it. Then it it means more because mm. it's not about profit. It's about a legitimate buy-in to giving great service. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with you. The culture is absolutely the core, the foundation of everything, and I think that's what you're you know a roundabout way trying to say. Like it starts with culture. It start, starts with what you create. Is yeah. that right? Uh, are you telling me that you can hire anybody, and they will be able to with you with no matter like who it is, as long as the culture is there. I'm not disagreeing, but like, I'm really, that's a bold statement. One of the best bosses I ever had, a general manager I worked for when I was in management, said, I hire friendly because I can train everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what that means is twofold, okay? And that is, and and this is, let's let's not make any, any, excuse or, or lead anyone, any restaurant owner out there to believe that this is easy to create because it's not. It takes mm, a commitment, but it hard, takes a yeah. two commit. It takes a commitment on two fronts. First, you have to create the environment. You have to create an environment of positivity where people want to work and it starts with you. Mm. It starts with you being the most positive, jacked up person on every single shift that you walk into, that you are leading the troops actively out in front of them, not sitting up in the office, not taking Saturday night off, that you're actually out there leading the troops with this type of energy and that you show a commitment to the attitude that you want them to have. And it also takes training. It also takes investing in your people, teaching them the right things to do. You don't have to go out and hire the person with 20 years experience and, and, and possibly bad habits, possibly mm -hmm. a bad attitude, possibly burnt out. Hire someone with the attitude you want, encourage that attitude, and then teach them how to do the job well. Oh, man. You are just just knocking it out of the park, Dave. And one thing you just said to me, it, it starts with you. Uh, and that's like one of the, the biggest lessons, the biggest aha moments I discovered with starting this podcast to learn to surround myself with these incredible just thought leaders and these movers in the industry is all these people I'm talking to. They're all just awesome people. They all just care so much about everyone else around them. And it's so, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you can tell by just 
talking to these people and I can hear it with you too. And that's one of the, the biggest like changes I made early in this podcast. I changed from uh, studying the restaurant industry, restaurants, and I started cha- studying restaurant people. What is it about these people that make them so awesome? And uh, yeah, it starts, if you want to be a successful restaurateur, if you want to have success in this industry, you've got to be a really awesome person. You've really got to work on yourself. And uh, that's just so powerful. Do you want to add anything to that? You know, I read a lot of, uh, I read a lot of motivational leadership books and, uh, the quote that, uh, I would give to every restaurant manager comes from John Maxwell. And it says, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yes. That's it. I mean, if you don't, if you don't lead by example, you can be as smart as you want. But if you're not willing to go out there and run food, if you're not willing to go out there and take a drink order and pre-bus a table and bus a table and take out the trash and all of the things you ask your people to do, then you're not a leader. Mm. You're a manager. And people, people won't respect managers. They will look for opportunities to not work for managers. They will look for opportunities to get out of work for managers. They will work harder to not do what you want them to than they will to do what you want them to. And we've all experienced it. And when you see that, then you have to first start to look at yourself and say, am I leading or am I managing? Mm. Awesome, man. This is a lot of fun. I just realized a little bit ago that I never let you uh, finish telling your story. Uh, we got to about your second job, and then we just took off on this awesome tangent. Uh, but just real quick, why don't you just uh, fill the listeners in on uh, the kind of the evolution uh, to where you got? Just give us some snapshots so we know uh, what you've achieved and who we're talking to. Sure. Spent a lot of time waiting tables uh, in all sorts of restaurants, from fine dining to peanut shells on the floor. Uh, went into management after one of them convinced me that they really needed me in that position and spent some time in restaurant management, but didn't really have the passion for it. Um, I found that I, I want to make the guests happy rather than dealing with them when they get mad. Mm. I want to do more than table touches. Uh, and, you know, I was, I, I'm not going to say I was a bad manager, but it wasn't what drove me. Um, so I went back into serving. Uh, and Wait, around re- two- real quick, and I'm going to, I'm doing sure. it again because I love these tangents. God, I'm so no. bad. What in two sentences drives you? Um, in two sentences? Maybe three. If you, if you need three, I'll give you one more. <laughs> I want to positively impact guests' experiences and their opinion of an industry that I am proud to be a part of. Awesome. All right, keep going. So uh, when I went back into serving, uh, I, you know, worked my way back up the chain again. And around 2008, 2009, you know, economic collapse happens here in the U.S. People are hurting. And uh, friends of mine that I'd waited tables with, you know, decade earlier, were asking me if I could get them a job at the restaurant I worked at. And I had to politely find a way to say no. Because I've learned a lot in the last decade while you've been in corporate America. And the skills that you have from working at that bar and grill back in 1995 don't necessarily translate to the type of restaurants that I'm working in nowadays. Mm -hmm. At the same time, restaurants started cutting back on the training that they were doing because their revenues were falling because of the economy. And I started looking at the industry and saying there are 2.3 million tipped waiters and waitresses in the United States. And – No one is offering continuing education to these people uh, to not only show them how to make better tips, but how to advance into nicer restaurants. Um, And there's 
And I believed because I know that if I would have been presented with it, I would have been the first guy in line for the book and I would have read it 10 times that there was an opportunity for someone to sit down and write a book to teach these skills and to kind of teach the things that I had learned from servers over the years, from the people who had 20 years in, what they taught me, the mentality that I learned from some of the great, great people in the industry that I worked with over the years that I could share with others. So I sat down and wrote a book called Tips Squared, Tips for Improving Your Tips. Um, from there, when I sent off to the literary agents, they showed they wanted to see that I had a platform. Mm. Uh, they wanted to see that I could reach people and they wanted to read what I had to say. So I started a series of blogs called the Hospitality Formula Network wrote every day, posted every day. There's over 600 posts on there, lots for people to read. But kind of as my career progressed, um, restaurant owners kind of started pulling me in in addition to the training stuff and wanting to know more about marketing, wanting to know more about websites, wanting to know more about the facets of the industry and kind of what I had learned while in the process of trying to get this book in the hands of as many servers as I can. Mm -hmm. So I help out with that kind of stuff. I work with the restaurants on what they need. With the experience that I have, I really try to go into a restaurant. You know, there, there's, a, there's a great line that says, when all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to come in with a toolbox and, and not just say, okay, what you need is more training, you know, because that's not necessarily the case with every restaurant. Yeah. I walk in and I try to take more of a, of a doctor's approach. Where does it hurt? How can I help? Mm. And so my consulting practice has really expanded beyond just the training of servers into what can we do? Where can I spot the shortcomings in this company and help you out the most? Because restaurant managers are required to wear so many different hats. They're required to do so many different things from HR to accounting to payroll to being a line cook to being that backup dishwasher to posting on the Facebook page every day. Mm. And things fall through the cracks. And important things sometimes fall through the cracks. And so what I try to do is step in, figure out where their strengths are and how I can supplement them to make their restaurant successful. Awesome. Uh, a couple things. First, uh, you you said that you go in like a doctor and you try to find out where their pains are, where they think they're they're struggling. How often do they say they're struggling someplace in some department and then you come in and look at that and realize that it actually goes deeper. Uh, does that happen a lot? I'm curious. No, I have I have a great deal of animosity and hostility towards most of the reality shows about the restaurant business. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like them. I don't watch them. But what I have seen of them, the part that is 100% accurate is restaurant owners call them up because they need help. And uh, when the you know, high power TV consultant gets there and tells mm. them what's going wrong with their restaurant. They try to argue with that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious uh, because that's, that's what, you know, that's the one part. If I, if I turn the show off there, I can not get angry um, because that's the one part that you see that is actually true. It's so often restaurants that are struggling and know they need the help are ignoring the problem in front of them. Mm. Um, they're, they don't want to confront the, the big issue. They don't want to confront the thing that's really holding them back and instead want to focus on tertiary things. They want to they want to focus on the bad employees they have rather than the environment that they're creating. Yeah. Oh, that gets me so angry when they focus. They try to 
like project outwards and like and they find other reasons and they never turn around and take ownership of why their restaurant's failing. Uh, that's one thing that drives me crazy. Uh, sorry to interrupt. No, absolutely. It, but it's the truth, and and it's and I and I know that there's probably a lot of restaurant owners listening to this, and you know we, the fact that you're listening to this already puts you a step ahead of most. Yep. All right, so so kudos for that. Let me. <laughs> this is not me bashing on restaurant owners, uh, but instead. You know, I, I would encourage them to really break down the core roots of problems. You know, Johnny isn't doing a great job as a bartender. Why? Uh, because he doesn't work very hard. Why? You know, and really keep asking that why until oh, you get to the core root of the problems. Of I love yeah. it. Uh, where did I? Uh, did you read the Lean Startup? I think that was in the Lean Startup by Eric Reese. No, oh, no, but yeah, he I, talks about that, the five layers of why. If you ever are struggling with something and you can't figure out or you really want to get to the core of, of you know what is driving this issue or what's at the, the, the bottom of, of whatever it is you're trying to figure out, ask why uh, five times. And usually mm-hmm. it's after that fifth why where you really start to figure out what the true problem is. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Because Johnny's, Johnny's probably burnt out. Johnny's probably mad at you. Johnny probably hasn't seen a raise in five years. Johnny probably, you know, I mean, there's a million things that could be going wrong, but you can't fix Johnny. Mm. You can fix you. You can fix your atmosphere. You can fix the environment that you could put him in. There are a lot of things that are within your control. So instead of blaming other people where you can't produce results, find the things that are within your control and fix them. Mm, absolutely it's so funny that you're talking about this right now because i'm thinking about like like getting like i thought about getting tattoos i know this is a weird like tangent but like i'm thinking about like you know with a a restaurant for example like you have your core values what's the best way to like know your core values your mission your purpose right to write it down to really get clear about where you're going where you want to take things you write it down i was like what's the best way to do that for yourself and i was like i want to get like tattoos of like the things that really matter to me so i can look down and be like oh yeah like happiness is what i care about like getting like a little like smiley face but one of the things i was thinking about doing is just getting like a triangle like the the symbol for change like because at any moment you can change things to make a difference in your life you have that control to change if things aren't going the way you want them to be if if somebody's not if if things aren't right change them you can do that nobody else is going to change it you have to change it what do you think about that Man, when you are when if you're a restaurant owner and you are beyond change, if you think things are perfect and there is nothing that needs to fix, sell. <laughs> get, yeah. get out. Get out. Yeah. Sell it. Sell it. Make a bunch of money and go do it again somewhere else. Yeah, and you'll because, learn so much that first time. The second time will be way better. Yeah, because you know what? You know what's the worst thing in this restaurant industry is for an owner. It, it, it's it's not to go out and and fail. Because you can learn a lot from failing. You can go down fighting. The worst thing in this industry is to sell your place and watch somebody else make more money. Oh, I can't oh really man, man, that hurts. Don't yeah. don't let that happen to you. Go out and figure out how to make it better. You know, if not for you, for for your family, for the charities you care about, for the people that work for you, find a way to make it better every single day find what motivates you to do so and then just do it mm, this is turning out to be awesome there's so many things i want to talk about i just don't know which direction to take it in first uh you did say something and i really want to get your take on this this is this is something that doesn't 
come up often on the show, but you were talking about uh, how you wanted to, you, you wrote this book, you wanted to get into the, the hands of publishers, but you didn't have a platform. And this is something that I believe in that I don't really think many people in our industry uh, have really caught up to yet. I think everybody who's serious about uh, opening a restaurant or becoming an executive chef or a general manager uh, should should own a website. Uh, and it seems really extreme. Like, why would I want to own? Like, because today's age, the new age of the way we work, uh, you need to start telling your story. You need to start uh, painting your personal brand. And uh, I think resumes are going to be a thing of the past in the next couple of years. And your your resume is going to be your track record. What what have you done to this day? How can I look you up? What can I see you doing? Where are you going to house all these these events you've done? These these places you've worked. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, like all these things, like, and then bring that back, send that back to your, to your platform, to your website, where you start talking about, like I said earlier, my personal core values, my personal brand, what's important to me. So when you're going to get that job, when you're going to surround yourself with the best in the industry, because it's all about surrounding yourself with the best. If you want to be the best, you've got to surround yourself with the best. And the best way to do that is to get that personal brand on a website, on a platform. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the last, uh, I, I haven't, I, uh, fortunately, uh, I spent four years at the last restaurant I worked at as an hourly employee. Um, I, I'm not sure if my resume uh, stuck out from everyone else's. My cover letter said that I was voted the best server in my city uh, for that year. Uh, I won it two more times once I was there, but I, I won it that year. Uh, I had a book coming out, and I had 500 blog posts online to where they could read exactly what I felt about the restaurant industry i could list inter- I, I didn't go so far on that cover letter as to list you know major publications i'd done interviews with and ways that i'd spoken out f- on behalf of the industry but i have to think for a serving position my resume was a little bit better than the next guy's yeah <laughs> you yeah. know and, and and it's not because i spent more years at it other people had more years at it other people had worked at nicer restaurants along the way and whatever but it's about going out and doing something to set yourself apart. Uh, you know, I I quit drinking a little over ten years ago. For you. So in the in the middle of my restaurant career, I I gave it up. Uh, I didn't become a cicerone. I didn't become a sommelier. Uh, that might not cover. That might not uh, you know help me. Yeah. Uh, in getting a job, but I did other things to compensate for it. I also went out and became when I worked at a seafood restaurant. I became the expert on fish. I became the guy who everybody came to with their seafood questions. Mm-hmm. So when I needed to know about a wine or I needed to know about a beer, those sommeliers and cicerones were glad to answer my questions because I was able to answer theirs. Become a person of value is what I'm hearing from you. And I think that's a quote from uh, Einstein. Uh, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but what you're saying is what is like really important to you? Like, what do you really love and specialize in that one thing? Um, and, and become a, if you're valuable, like you said earlier, like you started learning how to create websites for your, to tell your story, to create this, this platform, all of a sudden you're a person of value because you know how to do all these, these, uh, you have all these skills, all these, these, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, whatever you, you you can do these special things that not many people can do special knowledge that you have if you become a person of value that that is huge um, but still to, to bring it back to what I said earlier about creating a platform do you agree with that or not oh I I, I love the idea um, yeah. and I I'm a huge advocate of it because I've seen what it's done for me mm. uh, I mean you found me yeah uh, the people the people from Tipsy found me um, you know I've done interviews I've I've 
done 2020 on, you know, I've been on Huffington Post. I've done a lot of different things all because not because I'm the greatest spokesperson for the industry, not because I'm any better than 2.3 million servers out there as a human, but because I went ahead and tried to offer value to everybody else in the industry because I tried to go out there and, and, you know, on the nights where, you know, coworkers were going out to the bar, I went home and wrote, uh, you know, waking up an extra hour early and drinking that cup of coffee and saying, I'm not getting up from the computer until I have 800 words on this screen uh, and training yourself to do it, just like working out, training yourself to do it every single day uh, to where that was just part of my routine. And if I didn't do it, I felt like I hadn't showered that day. Uh, you know, <laughs> the once power you, once of you, habit is huge. It's amazing. Yeah. And so once you get into that and you start down that road, it makes all the difference. And so, you know, if you want to move up in this industry, if you want to take that next level, and especially if you want to have an exit plan, if you don't see yourself doing this until you're 60, you know, if your knees are hurting, if your ankles are hurting, if you if you get off a shift and feel like a train wreck because hey, as someone who just turned 40, I can tell you it happens. <laughs> you you don't stay young forever. If you start feeling that coming on, Start thinking about what your exit plan is. Start thinking about what you want to do next and what you can do now to prepare to be ready when that time comes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is awesome advice. And oh man, where do I want to talk? Like this, I just want to bring this conversation in so many directions. Uh, I can think of one more example. I just want to like just the, the power of like creating a value, becoming an expert in one topic. And I'm I'm thinking of this woman who uh, she's an expert on oysters. Like she just, she loved oysters. And now I saw her on, um, journey, uh, or, or my journey.com. It's a platform with, they, they share these experts and you can learn from these people a lot like tipsy, something we're both familiar with. But anyway, uh, just because she knew a lot about oysters, like it, there's become, find a niche that you're passionate about and become an expert, uh, and become a person of value. Awesome stuff. And yeah, um, I really want to pick your mind, David, about, uh, you really seem to understand young people and how to lead young people and how to manage young people. Uh, there's a video that I watched on the platform. Like you're, you're teaching these courses right now on Tipsy, and I've watched all of, or not all, but the majority of your your videos. And I think your uh, your advice on how to lead and manage young people is awesome. So let me ask, how do you lead young people today? Where does it all start? It starts with an understanding that what shaped the newest generation in our workforce, what shaped the people under 25, is a different experience than what you might have gone through if you're over 30. Um, you know, when you were, if, if you were, uh, well, let's see, if you were over 30, uh, you came of age uh, right after the dot-com boom, or right after the dot-coms went bust. Mm -hmm. So you had, you had had just a little bit of time after that before you started going through work, and you saw an up economy, you saw a down economy. Uh, if you are 21 right now, you probably entered the workforce in 2013 in an incredible economy. Uh, what you know is that corporations – uh, took down the economy when you were a kid. You might have, as a child, had to deal with a little bit of the dot-coms and the accounting scandals of the early 2000s. Uh, but you have a strong distrust for corporations and the whole notion. If if you're over 40, 
let, let me let me just explain something to you. Nobody works for corporations for more than five years anymore. Mm. Nobody has any faith in retirements, in pensions, in 401ks. Nobody sees themselves moving up through a company. What they see is using a job as a platform to maybe take a promotion or two promotions and then jump to a new company mm. and take that skill to, to work for them because, quite frankly – Corporations have been terrible over the years at finding ways to reward their great employees. And so basically, each corporation just becomes a training ground for the next company that's going to hire and reward their employees from day one. Mm. Unless you are actively looking at ways to financially reward your employees who are loyal, you can't do it anymore. That's not the mentality the millennials have. So when they look at you as, a, as an employer – especially the millennials that you know are still now in their early 20s, they're looking for someone who's going to give them the skills to get to the next restaurant, to get to the next level. They're going to teach them the things that helps them become more valuable to their next employer, not necessarily working up through your company. And so when you understand that, then you understand that what you can provide as a value to them is not managing them, but being a mentor. This generation is all about finding someone who can be yes. a mentor that can teach them what they need because this generation, they're not out to take your job. They want your job at, the, at another place. And so it's not about competition. This generation was raised on cooperation, not competition. You know, this is the participation medal participation trophy generation. What we have raised is people who want to work together, who want to collaborate, who want to work with you and bring some values to the table, but also learn from you because they're not trying to take your job. They're trying to move on to the next job that is on their path. So if you want to motivate them, you have to reach out to them, not just as a leader, but as a mentor, as someone who's giving them more than uh, just a paycheck. Someone who's giving them skills and opportunity and investing in them with information that they can use down the road. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest problem with the majority of people look at their employees and say, what can my employees do for me? Uh, but it really, it's those if you have to have a mentality of what can I do for my employees? If you switch it and you and you start thinking about what can I do to make myself uh alluring to to, to 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 offer value to these people I'm bringing into my life so that they can go on to be the next generation to lead others. Like, how can I develop these people? How can I give them the skills? And how can I send them off when they go get that next job? Who can I, who can I introduce them to? Who can I connect them to? Who, how can I mold this person? Ask yourself those questions. It will pay off in the long run. It seems cheesy. It seems corny. But I, I, I so believe in that. And um, it if the question that you're asking yourself is what can my employees do for me, you will never know the answer. But if you look, it's funny. If you look at some of the most successful restaurant chains, like Let Us Entertain You, like Danny Meyers, uh, Union Square Hospitality, like 50 Eggs, and all these restaurants that are just huge or like Besh Restaurant Group, they have all these different concepts. How do you think they grew laterally like that? Because they found people. Let me ask you. you yeah, you, you answer. How do you think they did that? There, there was there was a great period uh, in our industry. Uh, you know, the the company that uh, you know used to run all the restaurants in Kansas City was a company called Gilbert Robinson. Uh, probably the best known spinoff of Gilbert Robinson is uh, Houlihan's. 
uh, you know, it's a national chain that came out of that company. They had a lot of different concepts. And knowing the owners of this company that basically ran the entire city's restaurant scene for a decade and getting to meet them and learn from the people, you know, I'm two generations removed from them and I saw the people that they trained directly. And what they did was they found people who they could invest in. They taught them, they gave them opportunities for growth, but they didn't try to hold them back. When that company folded, they created, a, they spawned probably six or seven different great companies, uh, including the PB&J, the company that I talked about in the beginning that, you know, came out with the philosophy of the answer is yes. Now, what's the questions? Hula hands. Uh, a lot of different companies came from this because they invested in their people. They didn't hold back information. They taught them everything they knew at the business. They rotated them through restaurants to constantly get them new mentorship, mm. to get them new information and new experiences. And they didn't just create a, a group of people that worked within one system. They created a generation of leaders that, I, that I've been fortunate enough to work with, that I've seen throughout the city, because that's what great companies do. Mm. They're not just trying to keep everyone internally. They're trying to give someone the skills that make them leaders. Uh, when that company folded, its legacy is so huge because they went ahead and created people who could run restaurants on their own, who understood every aspect of the business and could start their own brands. Yeah, your mentality when you take somebody on who has what it takes, you can see, I mean, that's one of the skills you're going to have if you're successful in this industry. You'll be able to look at somebody and go, crap, this dude or this gal, she got it. Like she, she has what it takes. She, she, I can see she has. She can. There's just a bug. Certain people under. They just get it, you know. And they have that work ethic, and they're going to evolve. They have that drive. They have that passion. Um, and they're going to learn a lot from you. And you should try to teach them everything you know. And when it comes time that you know, when you see that when you start getting. When they show those signs that they want to go on and open their own place, you should help them do that. But you should say, hey. You're gonna let me let me be a partner with you. Like that's how all these restaurant groups do it. They grow laterally because they see the potential. They develop these people. They duplicate. They 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 mentor, like you say. They duplicate themselves in in these other people, and they help them invest in their vision, their dreams. Um, and that's why you see all these different concepts, right? Like, what do you want to do? How can I help you make that happen? Let me invest in you. And now you have a restaurant group. And I just uh, the, the episode isn't live yet, but Mike Gibbons said um, we figure out how to create a system like a, a car, right? You have all these different models, and you have the the chassis, the frame, right? Uh, those are their systems. Those are their core values. Those are like the things that really matter that work. And then they just use like different visions, right? On top, like the different, like, uh, I don't know, like a Honda versus a Honda Accord versus, I don't know, like a whatever other car, like a, I don't know what are the different types of Hondas, a Civic or something. Maybe it's a different framework, but you know what I'm saying? Like they, and they just duplicate on other people. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And and what I what I find a lot, uh, you know, it's it's strange how, you know, going from a server to uh, writing this book, I and, and going into consulting, I, I've become friends with a lot of the great restaurant owners in, in my area. Um, and it, it's it's been an incredible privilege and honor. And they, they've helped me out a great deal. And, and it, it's kind of become reciprocal. A lot of them will call me up for advice on stuff and want, want a little help getting over a particular hurdle and want, want my opinion on something, uh, which, I'm, which I'm always glad to give because they were so gracious to me when I was just starting out. And uh, what I've learned is these, the, the great restaurant owners in my, my city aren't, aren't competitors. 
they're they're all in this together. Oh, they all yeah. do something a little bit different. So if I need to, you know, if uh, I need a call for who has the best heirloom tomatoes in town, I get a you know I get a client calling me up and ask me about that. I've got three restaurant owners I can call and get opinions from. They don't care that it's helping out somebody else. They want to just make sure that you know they get the answers they need. Mm-hmm. And you know, too often in in Corporate America and in the business world in particular, we're all seen as competing with each other. And and it's it's driveled over into the hospitality industry to some extent uh, that we're we're trying to compete for the diner's dollar. Uh, in reality, uh, if you cooperate and you and you work with other restaurant owners and you try to get the best uh, information you can and you take that information and you use it to improve your restaurant and you help other people where you can help them everybody gets better there's 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 not a lack of dining dollars out there there the, the money is there the pie is big enough for everybody to get a piece the money that where you're taking it away from, you're, you're not competing with the best. You're taking it away from the worst. Mm. You're taking it away from those people who refuse to seek advice, that mm. have refused to get information, that they look at all their competitors as the enemy that they have to beat. Uh, I mean, those are the ones that are going to lose out in the end because when people cooperate and they work together, they improve each other, a rising tide lifting all ships. Yeah, Dave, what you're talking about is they call it an abundance mentality. And like you said, the best way I can say like this, this podcast is living proof of that. Like I go out and I, I find the most successful people and I really don't have trouble getting guests on the show because they get it. Successful people get it. It's about giving. It's about sh- like sharing knowledge and growing together. And they know that the people listening to this are just going to every like all ships rise with the tide. Right. The more knowledge is shared, everyone gets better. We all benefit from it. And um, oh, man, there's just such great advice in this episode. Uh, one thing real quick before we move on to the speed round um, you're, in regards to millennials and young people. That's really interesting. And that's something you have to understand is that uh, they from the very early parts of their life unlike most generations have been able to choose where they get their information. Mm-hmm. Um, today we live in a world where they grew up with tablets, computers, all this information right in their lap. They can learn anything they want to know. And that really influences. It's really, they can smell bullshit. Um, and you kind of point this out when you talk about like, uh, like, uh, training and giving people, uh, rewards and like benefits or what's the, like, 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 uh, competitions, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, try to use trickery when it comes to leading millennials because they they just want honesty sincerity sincerity and transparency um do you want to speak to that at all before we move on you know uh i i i had an epiphany uh when i I was watching a video and and uh it's actually on my blog uh the manager's office uh, it's called the epiphany uh is the name of the post and i did a seven part series uh after that, because all of a sudden I, I really started understanding it, it was it was the moment where the breakthrough happened for me on why contests don't work, why financial incentives don't work, why, you know, all these things that the industry has traditionally relied upon to teach people to sell just don't work anymore. And it's because we have a generation of people who aren't trying to compete with each other to win a prize. They're not trying to uh, go out and sell the most. They don't like selling. Sales is like corporations. That's that's bad. They they don't they don't care about selling. And so you have to understand that 
having the high sales on a shift or selling the most of a particular appetizer that you're trying to push doesn't do anything to motivate them because they realize that for every every bit of it that it helps them, it helps you more. And so your financial incentive as a restaurant owner is so transparent that they're not going to buy into it. And it's not going to uh, cause them to want to compete with their coworkers to beat that. Uh, Your your incentives show through. Uh, So what you do instead, if you want to teach your, your millennials, if you want to get your millennials to sell more, you have to teach them how to sell as a millennial. You have to teach a, a style of sales sales that works within the millennials' core values. And the one thing that millennials do put tremendous amount of weight on is their opinions and the opinions of those that they like and trust. Okay, we are a generation where every opinion goes on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. I mean, we have we have given we this, this the millennials have been given a free reign their entire life to express opinions without regret whether it be a review or a facebook post or whatever well as a restaurant if you look at sales the right way it is really nothing more than giving an opinion to a guest S- sales is a little i i i've read i've read a lot of sales books and uh you know, I, I I did a lot of that when I was first trying to trying to start out because and you would read them because you as a server I would read them because I was trying to find that one grain out of it that I could apply that I could use because that was the only that was the best tool I had to try to figure out how to get better uh, because you know it was stuff written for other industries and it doesn't apply to our industry because you can't hard close a uh, someone into buying a bottle of wine or food what you do is you give them your opinion on it. You tell them what's good. You you direct them towards the food that they're going to like, just like you would for uh, you know a family member that came in or if your best friend came in. If my mom comes in and sits down at a restaurant and I'm waiting on her, I'm going to recommend some food items to her that I think she's going to like because they're good because I've waited on a 1,000 people at that restaurant who've had that dish and they all liked it. Now, I'm not trying to sell my mom. I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm probably picking up the tab, so uh, you know, I'm not trying to upsell <laughs> yeah. her. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is make sure that she has a great meal. Mm. If the definition of hospitality is treating every guest as if they're your friends and family, wouldn't you recommend something that was good to every guest that walks in the restaurant? Wouldn't you give your opinion on what the best food items are and tell a guest why they're so good and why you like them? Uh, now. In the end of the day, you're going to sell more of those items. Yeah, and, the, and, and you're going to sell more food too. The, in the, at the, not at the end of the day, but in the long run, if you're really looking out for that person's best interest and them, that person being happy, not just getting the biggest ticket, but making sure they're leaving with the best experience over time, you're going to make the the company will make far more money. Right, and sales when you just when you define sales at its core sales is a service mm. in the restaurant industry Absolutely. because you're not trying to get them to just spend more money you're trying to get them to enjoy what's best you're making recommendations based on their best interest not based on the bottom line of the restaurant not based on what's going to get you the biggest tip because what's going to get you the biggest tip is them having the best possible meal mm. so when you recommend the best possible meal it's not sales as manipulation it's not sales as you know, trying to take advantage of the guest, it's sales as a service. And when you explain it to millennials that way, 
and you show them that what they're doing by recommending something to the, to the guests and giving their opinion is creating a positive guest experience and it's regardless of the restaurant's bottom line, then you will turn your millennials into a sales army who will go out and give those opinions on what's good, what's better, and what's best mm. and uh, try to get the guests to have the best experience they are. Then I always tell them, I always tell every server when someone orders what you recommend and you can tell they liked it, go up and say, hey, how was that salmon dish I recommended? Was that steak as good as I said it was going to be? Take credit for it. You know, mm -hmm. take that victory lap when what you put into recommending to them works out well. Take credit, not in a, not in a bold way, but remind those guests of your value, and they'll remember it when they fill out the tip line at the end of the day. And it will show that you care. I mean, yeah. just the care it just is so impactful. Awesome stuff. I can't believe we're almost at an hour already. Um, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, then we'll be right back. When you're running a busy restaurant, it's pretty hard to find time for training. Well, Tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts, including world barista champions, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. All right. We're back, and Dave's going to blow us away with some bombs of knowledge. I can't wait. The first question I have for you, Dave, which it factor, habits, traits, characteristics do you have that most contribute to your success? Man, I am the most optimistic son of a gun you have ever met when I walk into a <laughs> restaurant. I don't care if there is if there is 10 feet of snow outside the door and I had to cut a tunnel to get through it. I, I, I'm going to walk in and say, guys – I just cut the tunnel through the snow. Every guest in town has to eat here because we're the only restaurant with a tunnel. Yes. <laughs> and if you're happy and that energy just, oh, man, it just, it just, everyone sucks it up and everyone, you can just lift up an entire room like that. So awesome stuff. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Um, I, I tend to get bogged down in minutia sometimes. I, I tend to uh, I tend to get distracted by wanting to do too much and do it right that I that I sometimes miss out on the big picture. Mm, absolutely, that can. I mean, give me a quick example of when that's happened, but don't go too much into detail. You know, I've, I've, I've invested, you know, a ton of time trying to figure out very specific problems for customers and spent way too much time trying to find a vendor who could take care of this one particular need where perhaps that time would have been better spent, you know, letting that one be good enough and dealing with the bigger picture issues mm. that would have had a bigger impact on the bottom line. Got you. What is one piece of advice that you have for leading others? In order to lead, you have to be on the floor, you have to be willing to do anything you ask someone else to do. And when people see that, they will follow. You can't push a rope. You, you have to take it from the front. You have to pull it. 
if you want your staff to follow you, you have to lead. Mm, absolutely. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during an interview? You know, I uh, one of my favorite when I'm interviewing servers, uh, and I've done it quite a few times, is uh, so where's your favorite restaurant in town? What's your favorite thing to eat there? Now tell me about it in a way that's going to make me want to order it. Mm, awesome. I just right there on the spot, sell me something. What are they looking and, for? What are you looking for? Like what, what's the, the right answer? What's the thing that will make you get interested in that person? I want them to convey passion. I want them to convey that I want them to be able to describe something that they love in a you know their favorite food in a way that makes me want to eat it because if they can't do that then they're probably not going to be able to uh describe the meat special when they're a vegetarian. Mm. They're not going to be able to uh describe something that they might be allergic to. They're not going to be able to describe something that that you know maybe isn't their favorite in a way that makes it appealing if they can't describe their uh Favorite thing. Mm. Uh, another one that I that I uh, recently have started using in interviews uh, because I love it and it gives people an incredible opportunity to think on their feet is who's your favorite professional wrestler? <laughs> oh man, now you got me thinking. Who's? I think it's the Ultimate Warrior. Well, I mean, people. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the difference. That's the difference in a restaurant type and a not restaurant type. Is if they tell me I don't watch professional wrestling, you're on a job interview. You can't come up with an answer for me better than that on a job interview. How are you going to be able to come up with something great in front of your guests? Who's your there favorite no, wrestler? Well, <laughs> handsome Harley Race. Oh, why? But uh, uh, just he was—he's the hometown guy. He uh, was uh, someone that uh, was was making my area famous when I was a kid. I saw him all over the world, and he was from my hometown. He was actually the the guy that lost the belt to to Ric Flair before uh, Ric, Flair Ric Flair became the world champion. So. Uh, you know, Harley Race was always the working man, and I always kind of liked that. He's a, he's a hometown guy. But uh, <laughs> just having that, having that ability to think on your feet and give an answer to an absurd question, if, you know, even if it doesn't have to be the right or wrong answer, there's no wrong answer to that question except for, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I want to know that people can think on their feet. And beyond that, somebody who might be kind of reserved in the interview and you're not really getting a feel for their personality – Man, that question will give them the opportunity to light up. That's you giving them permission. Okay, I just – and I ask it last, but I just gave you permission to give me an answer to a question that's going to show me that you have personality. I just broke the tension in this interview by asking you an absurd question. Give me an absurd answer. That's fine. Let us let me see that little bit of extra out of you. I would love to ask my brother that question on a job interview who's uh, 35 <laughs> and still watches like Monday Night Raw. Every, he doesn't – he records it. I don't know. He loves it. But, hey, he's – whatever makes you happy, I guess. I, I started uh, asking it at a, <laughs> uh, at a client that uh, – they're, they're a retro-themed arcade bar, and they have 80s and 90s wrestling on TV all the time. And so uh, it was kind of cool. You know, it it kind of gave something cool. a little bit different uh, for people to talk about. Yeah. But I've learned that in any, in any restaurant, you ask that question, you're going to get an interesting answer, and you're going to see some personality or the lack thereof, and you have, that dist- you have that established. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So what is a current challenge uh, you're seeing you, one of the restaurants you're working with have, and how are they dealing with it, or how are you helping them deal with it? You know, uh, one of the things that I get – I've probably been asked five times this week by restaurant owners I know um, if I know anybody that's looking for a job. 
if I can oh, refer God. to them any any servers. It's it's amazing how tight the job market is because it's the same way that it was eight years ago in reverse when people were asking me if I could get them a restaurant job. Um, understand that the business is cyclical. Understand that there's going to be ups and downs in the economy, and you're going to have times where you know you can hire only the best and times where you're really struggling to find people to fill the holes uh, and create an environment of difference. Give people an incentive that your restaurant is more fun, that you run smaller, that you run smaller uh, staff sizes, you give bigger stations, you give people the opportunity to make more money. Give them incentives. Explain what makes your restaurant stand up, stand out and you'll build You'll get the staff you need, and you'll make them loyal. Yeah, I'm currently working with a restaurant right now, and they are getting like two to three applications a day, and it's it's crazy that I'm like like you said, people can't buy referrals right now, and because this restaurant is just doing so much right, they don't they 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 just serve such an amazing cause and they're, they're doing their branding so good. Take the time to tell your story, to figure out, to, to be about something greater than just serving food. And it really pays off in the long run. Um, I, I just opened a uh, new location of one of my clients. I flew up to uh, help them with the grand opening and the PR and marketing and training and everything. Uh, I, I built a website for applications for them just so they didn't have to do it in person. We had over 200 applications come in in two weeks Wow. Because of the way that we set it up. We said, you know, experience isn't important, but personality is. We want excited. We want energetic. We want people who love the idea of working in this type of environment, and we'll train you from there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And awesome. the people that we got were 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 – I mean, studs. We got we got all stars. I mean, it was so cool to be in the catbird seat once again and pick the uh, pick the people uh, who we wanted to hire because they had the marketing guy write the uh, job application rather than somebody get up on. Uh, you see ads on Craigslist now where people are like, yeah, we're looking for three to five years experience and we don't want any bad habits and we don't want any bad personalities and no tattoos and no crazy dyed hair. And it's like experience required. <laughs> Yeah, you're, man, you are you are not in a you yeah. are not in a job market that allows you to tell people what they can't be. Instead, tell them what you are and why they want to be with you. Exactly, awesome, love it. Uh, what is one thing that one of the r- restaurants you're working with does really well besides food that separates them from other restaurants? Sure, uh, you know, I I always tell clients uh, that your product is your environment. You're selling an environment. You're selling an atmosphere. Um, your food, you know, food is food. And, and you might have great food, but so do other places. And you might have great value on your food, but so do other places. If you're selling beer, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a beer in the fridge. There's a beer at the liquor store. And there's someplace closer that's selling cheaper beer. Mm. So, I mean, you've got all those hurdles to overcome to get them to come in. If all you're selling is beer or food instead, sell an atmosphere, sell an environment, create some place that people want to go partner it with good service, partner it with good food and good drinks, but environment matters. And, uh, man, I've got a, I've got a client called up down that I work with right now that are pros at that uh, and creating that nostalgic atmosphere uh, of the 80s and 90s having the pro wrestling on having the uh, 
the 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 wallpaper all set up with 80s and 90s black and white characters and and the arcade games and all of those things that really take people back. Mm-hmm. I love seeing people commit to environment and as the business becomes more and more competitive that's where restaurant owners are going to see their edge. Absolutely. And to think I mean that that theme restaurant is just genius because it just appeals to like a, a demographic that I think just doesn't get enough attention. Uh, I mean, to think of those days as being nostalgic, but they are. It's really interesting. That's a great idea. Um, you also talked about how before we, we hit the record button, how a few of the restaurants are just crushing it uh, with marketing and on social media. So how are you helping them in, the, in that regard? I'm curious. You know, uh, really, the idea of running a Facebook page uh, and spending a little bit of money on advertising, not just on boosting posts, but a targeted ad to go out and get fans that fall into demographics that you know are, are conducive to your business. Once they become fans of your page, then targeting them with boosted posts, then targeting them with a very specific strategy and a very specific brand identity that reinforces your brand to those people is the way to do it. If you're if you're still advertising in the paper, you might as well be taking out an ad in the yellow pages. Mm. We have more access to information about people online and more ability to target them than ever before than any other medium gives you. So learning how to do that, how to stay ahead of that trend and really targeting people on social media has been a huge, huge uh, bonus for my clients and something that I really invest a lot of time in for them. Also staying ahead of new technologies. Uh, you know, we'll my, dive but, into that. We'll dive into that. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so what's one book that's a must read uh, for anybody just looking to be successful in this industry? You know, I, 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 I don't want to be partial and say my own, so I will uh, – <laughs> no, That's it, a really, Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But uh, no, the, uh, the books – I've got two books sitting on my desk. I only keep two books on my desk, and I keep them handy so as that I can reach out for them at any given time because of the information inside them. One's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Love Stephen it. Covey. If you're not into The Seven Habits, if you're not reading The Seven Habits, if you're not refreshing yourself on Those Seven Habits every day, you're missing out. The other one that I love, and I've never given this one away to anybody, but a guy named David J. Lieberman, PhD, wrote a book called Get Anyone to Do Anything. Uh, And I I love this book because it's not – it's not as manipulative as the title will sound. It, it sounds it's, like how it, to win friends and influence people. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's very much the same way, but yeah. it's, it's more of a psychological approach to understanding what motivates people as individuals and how to get the outcomes that you want from them. Uh, I love the book. I, I've, I've learned a lot from the book. If I had to throw a third on there, Art Williams, all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. There, That's there's the another first time I mentioned on the book on the show. Yeah, there's another there's another obscure one that if you can go out and uh, dig out a copy of that, if you want to learn how where where my leadership style came from of being a coach of being a leader rather than a manager, uh, and so much of it came from Art Williams. Mm, awesome. And real quick, what's one habit or the the your favorite habit from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? You know, uh, looking for the win win. Every, every day, every day, uh, taking that opportunity to find ways that you can get ahead by helping other people get ahead. You know, Zig Ziglar always said you can get everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. 
you know, mm-hmm. same basic philosophy. Uh, if you're if you're operating in this industry in this day and age in this environment with a, with the idea that you need to get more value than you give, you're you're dead in the water. Yeah, <laughs> you know this 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 <laughs> we we're we're in 2016, man. We're all about giving value and spreading information, spreading knowledge, spreading goodwill, helping, cooperating, and that's where everything comes from. It all comes together when you're out there giving. It will come back to you. Yeah, and uh, I know that Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is in audio or is in or on audio, and you're going to get that book for free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Get your first book with Audible for free if you haven't already signed up, and it will be a game changer. I, I have consumed so many books because of the fact that I can listen to books in my car. Uh, it will change your life. It really will. Um, and... Don't forget, just real quick, uh, just talk about your, your books real quick just to kind of give us an idea of what to expect and where we can find those. Sure. Um, the easiest way to find my book is uh, the website. Uh, it's tips, the number two, the word book, dot com. Tips2book.com. Uh, best place to find my book, tips squared for tips for improving your tips. But also really, I mean, if the book's not for you, Go out and read all the free information on my blogs. Uh, hospitalityformula.com is the, uh, is the kind of the headlining of it. And uh, there's five blogs attached to that. The Manager's Office, Tips Squared, Restaurant Laughs, Foodie Knowledge, and Restaurant Marketing Plan. This is where, you know, when I said I sat down every morning and wrote 800 words, this is where they all went. And I would write on whatever was in my mind for that day. So basically, you're getting two years worth of daily tips from a consultant for free in searchable format to where you can go and find answers and advice and insights on things that might be able to improve your business. It's for free. And if you have questions about it, email me. Do, do I seem like the kind of guy that doesn't respond to an email? <laughs> and I'll have your email at the very end. I'll give you a chance to share your contact information. But if you can't remember all that, just remember Restaurants Unstoppable 2 Five, five. Just remember 255. Uh, just head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 255. I'll have all those links in the show notes. Uh, okay. So uh, what's one piece of technology you've adopted in a restaurant or you see other people adopting that you think is just going to help improve systems, processes, procedure, procedures, and just make that restaurant an overall better operating operation? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one for me. <laughs> Because for a guy who deals in technology and social media and everything, the best tool I ever have is a legal pad that I carry around with me everywhere <laughs> I go, and I have stacks of them to refer back to. Uh, but online, you know, I, I I'm really loving what the people from Tips here are doing right now. Yeah. Um, I I think that their business model is so great, and uh, they're going into it. You know, it's 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 what it's what I had originally you know dreamed of. Years ago, times ten, mm. and and done in the in the, you know when when this is it's just a first class operation. Yeah, just real uh, quick, all Dave, around. Real quick, uh, they are the sponsors. I'm extremely grateful for their support, and uh, uh, people have heard the ads on the show. But for mm. those who aren't really clear about what Tipsy is, can you just kind of like you've never heard of it before? Like, what is it? Explain. I- I, I didn't know they were sponsoring you. Man, they got good taste. Yeah. So you. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I love the guys. Uh, 
they contacted me a while back uh, and asked me to do uh, some stuff on training servers. I've done a series of courses for them uh, just because it's, it's a great company that finds experts in the things that restaurants might face challenges on uh, where you can go in and get the information you need to convey to your staff or sit your staff down in front of and have them get the information directly. Uh, the minds that they pull into uh, – this industry that they pull from around the industry to get to come in and do the courses for them is is truly a reflection of uh, what a great company it is, how well run it is, how interested they are in going out and finding the best information to give to their subscribers. I, I'm I, I'm not a paid spokesperson, but I, I'm a free spokesperson because they're awesome. And I think they do a great job, and I, I really want to see more people in the industry utilize tools like that, tools like my sites, yeah. tools like the other blogs out there, tools like your podcast. Go out, learn what you can, learn from the experts in the industry, and get better. Yeah, I mean I'm extremely picky about who I let sponsor the show because I protect my audience. I, I like you say, it's all about trust. It's all about transparency. And I believe in the service. And the best way I can describe Tipsy is it's a system uh, for training that's been built. It has, all, like you said, all the best minds in the industry teaching these courses. You can't. You couldn't go out to all these people and afford to have them all come in and train your staff, but you can if they all come together with uh, with crowdsourcing and just putting this this resource together where it's all these incredible minds. Literally, you pick and choose the courses you want your staff the training you want, and then you can even track it when they watch that video when they go through that training. Like you know, you're tracking this all on the back end, and there, there's tests. It's a system. For training and it's with the best minds in the industry and it's extremely affordable i can't remember the the, the numbers off the top of my head but i it's, mean they're, they're gonna think they're paying both i mean i'm getting sponsored by them they are paying me but they i chose to have you on the show uh they didn't pay me to have you on the show i just saw you on on you're one of the many people that they have and i, I love your your advice so, um and you're on the what are you teaching on tipsy training mostly about serving correct um, yeah, uh, how to how to train servers, how to set up an effective training program, how to motivate and lead servers, mm-hmm. uh, you know how to, uh, and, and then directly to the servers, how to sell, how to handle upset guests, you know, kind of the the, the nuts and bolts of things that you want a pro on your staff to be teaching your people. Maybe that's not your strength as an owner. Maybe you haven't dealt with 20 years worth of guests to kind of learn the best way to handle these situations. I have. And, and, and so and so, Tipsy's going to give you the opportunity to get the same type of training that I would, quite frankly, charge a lot more <laughs> yeah. to come to your it's restaurant so and do. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's, it's not just me. Uh, you know, they're wine experts. Uh, Christy, Christy King Thrall. Uh, you know, she, she's the person who I go to with wine questions. When I have a question for my blog, uh, when I need information for a client, you know, I have a world of resources because that have been afforded to me because I have the blogs and the book and things like that. She, she's who I call. Yeah. And, and, and they went out and got her to do their wine stuff. I yeah. mean, it's amazing to me how, you know, I, they, 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 they know who the, best people in the business are they go out and find them and it saves you a lot of time of digging through the internet trying to find the people that you want to learn from 
trust me, yep. they know who to find. And uh, just some of the other names that they have on there, uh, Mike Canino, past guest, Darren Dennington, another past guest. That's really what it was for me when they came to me um, said, hey, we love what you're doing. We want to sponsor your show. I'm like, hey, I'm really picky about who I let sponsor the show. And I started looking into who they have, people that I know, like, and trust in their corner. So like they, they were in my circle of trust and I love the work they're doing. And like I said, it's just such a smart way to start, uh, you know, just leveraging training into plug in a training program in your restaurant. And we're putting way too much time in pitching this. We should probably move on to the next question. Uh, <laughs> I, just like, I, 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 I just like them that much. No, me too. Like, it's a great service. And, I, I, and they have over 200 videos now, I think. And they've only been around for like three months, two months, even two months. How long have they been live? They, and, they're, been, and they're putting out new videos every like, – it's only going to get better. Check it out, guys. We're done. They, they, they've, been stock, <laughs> they've, been, they've been stockpiling for yeah. a long time. I'll just – I'm going to go ahead and knock down the fourth wall because I'm not a paid spokesperson. They have a lot of content. Yes. Half of the stuff I've done for them hasn't even been released yet. This isn't one of those things where you have to worry that what you see is what you get. They have a lot more coming. Oh yeah, and uh, even like the short time, I the month, I've like every week, I'm getting a, like a list of new videos they're putting out. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how these guys do, and a great resource for small businesses for sure. All right, we're done. Uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time, Dave, and give your past self one piece of business advice, what would it be? You know, get yourself a month ahead. Uh, the difference between my last 10 years of waiting tables and my first 10 years of waiting tables was in the last 10 years, I found a way to scrimp and save for one month and get a month ahead and live off of that month each of the following months to where I didn't have to go make rent. I knew what my budget was for the next month because it's what I made last month. And whatever I make this month pays for next month. And once you have that, then you can just focus on taking care of the guests rather than worrying about the next bill and how much money you have to make that night. Once you get yourself in that position, because that's, this, that's, the, that's what eats so many servers alive. That's what, that's what knocks so many of them down is that extra stress and worry. If you can get to that point to where when you walk into a restaurant, all you have to do is focus on the guest. You would be amazed at how explosive your income becomes because you're not worrying about the money. You're worrying about the guest, and that's where the money comes from. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, is there one question I could have asked you that would have provided more value to this interview? You know, I, I'm just really glad you gave me the opportunity to tell that story earlier about, uh, about the family that I waited on. You know, I, I had to kind of fight getting choked up about it. Cause I tend to, when I tell that story and, uh, man, I'm not going to critique you on any questions. You asked, you asked the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> Thank you. I love, I mean, it was my pleasure to ask that question. I love getting those stories. That's where, you know, we really learn. So awesome stuff. You were an awesome guest. Uh, just so blown away at the advice you dropped on us today. Uh, let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. Um, yeah, I mean, you can go to any of my websites attached to hospitalityformula.com uh, or shoot me an email, david at hospitalityformula.com. Uh, it's real easy. If you got a question, fire away. Yeah, and that will be in the show notes, episode 255. Don't forget. And we wrap up every episode by asking my guests to call somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant owner or operator or just professional out there, consultant, you know and just admire and think would be an incredible guest in the show like you were for us today? You know, uh, man, 
Hey, hey, you can't not, think of just one. It, I'll take multiple. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of my clients are going to get mad that I didn't uh, that I didn't name them instead. But uh, I'm I'm going with Jasper Mirabile. Uh, he runs, you know, he's a chef. Jasper uh, runs a restaurant here called Jasper's. Uh, institution named after his father uh he's in the culinary fine dining hall of fame he uh you know most people have a uh most people have a uh you know blessing from a from a priest in their italian restaurant he has a papal blessing in his restaurant Uh, i mean he is he is such an incredible person the old timers in this industry will know exactly who he is but what really makes it stand out what makes him stand out is he has been so gracious to me over the years. He has done so much to to promote what I'm doing, to give me every possible contact he can. And it's not just me. It's an, He has a radio show every week where all he does is talk about other people's restaurants. Oh, man. We got to get him on this show now. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how cool it is to to have been mentored myself because I'm not a millennial, but I still want that mentorship from the greats in this industry. And to have someone like that teach me and kind of and kind of guide me through this business, man, I can't tell you how cool this guy is. And uh, if you want to get somebody on your show that will that will make me look mellow, and and and, and will and will make me look downright unfriendly. That's that's the guy you gotta talk to. <laughs> Jasper, look out! I am coming after you, David. You have been such an incredible guest. Uh, literally, just blew us away with an amazing advice today. Uh, there's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Again, if you guys want to check out all the uh, you know a summary of today's discussions, uh, links to all the resources we discussed, the books we discussed, uh, how to connect with David, restaurantunstoppable.com slash two. Five five. You'll find all the links right there. And if you are interested in Tipsy, please let me know. I am an affiliate. And if you use my links, you support the show, and we can keep this resource free for anybody who wants to uh, listen and grow together with all of us, just trying to be the best version of ourselves. So uh, use those links. And man, thank you, David, so much for taking the time to join us today. Nah, it's been a pleasure. Cheers. Well, there is another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable, and I had such a great time talking to today's guest, David Hayden. And man, what incredible advice he gave us, just that mentality of delivering that amazing service, creating that awesome environment where it's your goal every day. You have the ability to just make people happy. And if you can do that, if you can change someone's day and just help them forget about the stresses of their life, um, what a rewarding job. I mean, you can spread that that mentality. You can take new people on into your life. I'm talking about your employees and teach them that that's what they get to do. And just the whole idea of, um, if, you know, it's not about not finding the right people or the right people not being out there, but it's about making, your someone, making yourself somebody others want to come work for. And I really like how he kind of put me in my place and kind of reminded me that, you know, hey, uh, it's not about hiring the right people, but it's about creating that culture where uh, people want to come work for you and uh, creating that culture where people want to evolve and make other people happy and uh, just a a culture of service, a culture of positivity. And if you're not doing that in your restaurant, then, you know, and if you're having trouble finding amazing people, then ask yourself, am I doing this? Am I someplace I would want to come and work? And what can I really do to serve my community, serve my guests, serve my employees? Awesome stuff. Man, I could just go all day on that. 
real quick before we let you guys go, uh, just a reminder, please support the show. The best way to do that is to leave a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Let everybody know how this podcast is helping you. If you appreciate the work I'm doing, just say how you appreciate it. Those reviews really do help. Please use my links. If you ever hear about a product or service that's out there that you're interested in and you want to apply these tools in your restaurant to be more profitable, more systematic, uh, j- more whatever whatever you can do to improve your restaurant with these tools, uh, let me know. Uh, you, click my links or shoot me an email, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, when you use my links, it really does help. And then also don't forget that you can schedule a free 15-minute chat with me, Eric Cacciatore, just to brainstorm or to uh, maybe help you connect with somebody. Uh, I love those chats, so give me a call. Find the links at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. All right, guys, I had a blast. Until next time, peace out.